Welcome to Talk Mental Health with Logan Noon. This is episode 30. 37.5% doctors. Oh, crap. This episode is with my classmate and great friend Richard Arreo. If that name sounds familiar to you, it's because he was on episode 19 where Richard really shares his story from being a lawyer and how he transitions to now a medical student. But in today's conversation, we're really going to talk about the kind of crazy state of mind it's being being uh, you know, three semesters down of medical school, but now we're staring down the throat of board. So, hope you enjoy. Three yeah, cheers, doctors. man. Yeah, I guess that's how we should start this podcast. I don't know what we're doing. Cheers, here. Logan. Yeah, salute, sir. Congratulations on finishing up another semester. 37.5% done with medical school. We just finished our third semester yesterday. Thank God. 37.5% done with living off of student loans is how I look at it. We're now on Christmas vacation. That feels so good. But, frankly, I mean, Christmas vacation or vacation itself has now ended, and it's time to kind of kick up with our hardcore board prep studies. So although vacation's beginning, the fun is over. It's time to get serious, Logan. Yeah, it's. Uh, we were just saying before the podcast, this is an interesting emotional state of mind as... Uh, We've now I've finished three year, three semesters of medical school, and so part of me is so excited and proud. Yeah. Um, we're both coming off of uh, neurology, so that was super interesting. It was and interesting. we did better than normal, cool, uh -huh. fantastic. But six months from board step one, which for the listeners, if you don't understand what we're referring to, it's the how many hours is it? Like six, seven it's an hours. Eight hour exam. I don't even know. I should know this information. I think it's an eight-hour exam. I know there's four halves to I mean, two halves to it with four hours each, I believe. Yeah. I thought it was four, two-hour long. I don't know. The exact details. It's a huge, hmm. massive test. It's an all-day-long exam. All-day-long test on essentially every single fact you learned your first two years of med school. Yeah. It's a beast. It's terrifying. And so I don't know, I have a decent amount of the listeners who are pre-med students. So it's like the MCAT on steroids. It's the big kraken at the end of the voyage. Yeah, so I am now terrified. Yeah. Uh, earlier today I was talking with one of my good friends, Dan, who, he's going to be on the podcast soon, but he was a groomsman at my wedding. And I'm kind of following his career because a year before me, he made a transition from being a healthcare consultant back to pursuing medicine and he's now in medical school you're ahead of me the guy i really look up to him in his medical path and especially because he succeeded on boards and he calls me and he's like okay you are way behind of what you need to be doing for boards and so i feel there's this other state of mind and emotional experience i'm having whereas i am so scared of boards right now because i feel like i should am not where i need to be have not been doing the things i need to do and I know that's partially a good thing because it's going to kick my butt to make me actually work hard now because I think I almost need that to motivate myself sometimes. But it's still not an enjoyable state of mind. So what you are you know? referring to? What is this method that you, uh, that you think you're going to be tackling and that your buddy Dan is pushing you toward? Well, I think, you know, he has his suggestions of using fl this flanky flashcards Anki software that uh, I've talked about before on the podcast. But I think whatever method you're using to tackle the boards, whether it's just questions or flashcards, at the end of the day, you just got to put more time into it. Whatever you're doing now, you just have to, it has to be more. 
and it has to continue to grow more and more and more up until test day, which is in about six months. Yeah, end of, more June, end of June is one. We're all anticipating it. That's kind of what he just kept referring to because he was really getting into like, well, how many, what are you doing? How many hours are you putting into this right now? And the answer was not enough. Yeah. And so he kind of was like, all right, dude, like uh, you don't have a break. You need to start probably today doing more flashcards and knocking this out. This is a big beast. And I, I take his word for it just because he did so well on his boards kind of thing. Was he an exceptional medical student? I think so. Okay. <laughs> I, oh, another funny story I think that we should tell at the beginning of this podcast is yesterday how we were laughing, how we're also in a state of mind where we're probably in the bottom 25% of our class, right? Well, I don't want to speak for uh, for myself, Logan, but you definitely are. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm a terrible medical student, so, but only academically, though. We're going to shine come third and fourth year, and we're doing it academically. We're just, we struggle. Well, and I, I was laughing because as a student, as students, in the bottom 25%, we also have nothing to lose, really, on the boards. <laughs> yeah. So anything we do is... It could, it's going to be improved. Like, you can't get worse than bottom 25%, really. <laughs> like, you know, so, so, so I'm like, okay, anything I do is going to be better. If I step it up, I'm going to be moving in the right direction. Like, it's fine. And so that's kind of how I look at it, this crazy experience of boards moving forward. Yeah, it's the big shining red light on the beacon at the end of two years. It's two years of consolidated medical information that's just going to come at us in one eight-hour period of um you know essentially being boiled alive yeah so yeah i'm looking forward to it what have you heard from people that have gone through this experience advice moving forward into into boards kind of six months out my fiance is now a second year resident she tells me that as far as medical school goes this second semester of second year is as bad as it gets okay so this is the worst coming up and it's because of the anticipation of boards and the fact that you just got to put everything into it so we've been driving in you know fifth sixth gear for the last year and a half now it's got time to kick it up to you know ninth tenth gear go into hyperdrive well one and it's, hearing you say that makes me think one study I would love to do, and I should look up if this kind of study exists, but obviously there is a problem with burnout in medical students and physicians. Yeah. I wonder if medical students, the highest rate of burnout, suicide, all these negative aspects is this period, this semester before boards. That's I have no idea. I couldn't tell you. I, I mean, th that would just be an interesting thing to study. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. So what strategies do you... Well, I guess, okay, before we get into what strategies you want to do moving forward, how has been your first 18 months? What has been your emotional experience in med school? It's been a roller coaster. The uh, most difficult part has been was the first semester of first year. That was just the transition. It was learning how to be a medical student, learning how to deal with it emotionally because you get this big barrage of, of non-stop information and non-stop learning coming at you and along with that comes this barrage of you know emotional you know tumultuosity is that a word i have no idea it's just a tumultuous, my brain is fried from finals week it's just a very difficult aspect um emotionally so you're dealing with this extremely difficult thing and so it just makes it extremely emotionally difficult 
So I think that's one of the one of the biggest things that people struggle with around us. It certainly was difficult for me, and it still is. But after that first semester, you kind of the waters start to smooth over a little bit because you realize that you can get through it. So realizing that the fear component kind of goes to the side. Yeah. You know, the, the horrible fear component goes to the side. And then we're just paddling furiously and trying to keep our nose above water. So yeah. let me ask you then a two-part question. So 18 months of the past, you know, years of, I guess almost 18 months, yeah. whatever, three semesters of our medical school experience. I want you to tell the story of your worst failure in medical school when you really felt like a piece of crap and, you know, I don't know, depressed, whatever, how you want to describe it. And then on the other side, though, I want to hear your greatest triumph because I really do think that's the experience of med school. So many times we get smacked in the face and then so many times I've really felt like I've made leaps and bounds in my own confidence level and like, okay, like, oh my God, like I'm sort of getting this kind of thing. Yeah. God, my biggest failure in medical school. I don't know. It feels like every month or so I have a new one that kind of outshines the last <laughs> one. It seems like, I feel like medical school is teaching us how to just keep on getting up after getting knocked back down. I feel like that's a big unspoken component of medical school. Mm -hmm. It keeps smacking us and we keep getting, you know, punched in the gut and then kicked in the knee and then strangled for a little while and then held underwater for a little while. Yeah. And we get up and we're shaking and trying to get some, some air and we just got to keep on going. You know, you can't stop. You can't slow down. You can't really, you know, just take a step away to reassess yourself. You just got to take another a big gulp of air and keep on moving forward. And so I think that first happened to me probably about a month into school, uh, first year, probably about a month in when I, you know, first got my, held, my head held underwater for a while. And I really got that fear, you know, mm -hmm. that, oh my God, maybe I'm not made for this. Maybe I can't do this. All these students around me, they're fine, but yeah. I don't think I can do this. You get that, that fear, you know, you get that trauma, but then you can't dwell on that. You just got to, you know, pick up your, pick up your, what do I say? Pick up your socks and keep on moving forward. And so then the next month you have something else happen. And then month after that again, but then also intermixed and interspersed and peppered throughout all of this, you have these little glorious moments where you excel in something. Yeah. And for me, those weren't necessarily academic, you know. I didn't have a, a glorious, I didn't get a 90 on a test be like, yeah, yeah. I, I can do this. It was never those moments where I felt um, where I felt successful as a medical student. And for me, it was always little moments extracurricularly or with a professor who says, hey, you're really, you're really special. You're really standing out here. You're really... You're empathizing, you know, in this situation, and uh -huh. it's beautiful, and you're doing wonderful in that. You're going to be a great doctor. I can see the compassion in you, you know, and you, and you'll have a little moment like that, and you realize, wow, maybe there is something, you know, that makes me special, and why I do fit into this career path, and you know, we forget about that and the yeah. tumultuousity of, of of the academia. Well, and it also seems like the only way we are technically graded, ranked however you want to call it, is from an academical perspective, at least at this stage of our experience. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of, I do find my, the worst aspects of my kind of medical experience thus far was just being, I guess, on the veer edge of failing courses. Yeah, and horrible. it seems it was way too often. Horrible, it was yeah. all the time. And then really the worst part I felt I remember is when I first started getting the, that damn cyst problem on my back. Because oh, yeah. I could barely sit down in class, 
And I've talked about this on the podcast too, that stupid pilonidal <laughs> cyst. <laughs> the eye Cause, of Saruman. Because, yeah, like studying, <laughs> sitting down <laughs> all day is hard enough as a medical student. And then it hurt to sit down and study. So I would sit standing, but that would even hurt. And it was just terrible. And I remember oh. getting a huge resentment towards school because also simultaneously it was anatomy was getting really hard it was the spring of the second semester um anatomy was getting really hard and we were in cardiology and i think starting respiratory and like all the different bugs and microbiology i found was so complicated and so foreign to me you know i just kept thinking how everyone else i did oftentimes compare myself to everybody else because i feel like that's natural yeah it is and i felt everyone else was just at an advantage because they had some kind of experience with these bugs before, which isn't true. You know, there are a lot of people that don't have that much of a scientific background. But, you know, I just think getting into that state of mind of comparison is just always a bad state of mind. It's so natural to want to compare ourselves. It's just an easy way to assess and evaluate and kind of base ourselves. It's just very human, I think. But it's a terrible... Emotionally, psychologically, it's a terrible way to you know to look. So when I I keep trying to remind myself to like look inward of like I want to compare myself to how I used to be kind of thing. Like okay, I know these drugs and bugs and drugs and bugs Mm -hmm. better than I used to, and like I still might not be doing great in comparison to others. But you know I'm just going to keep moving forward, keep learning what I can. And then I remember the best probably experience I've had of medical school thus far. Really, two of them. One is somehow still passing hematology while I had my wedding. I don't know how you did that, man. You I don't know how school. I did it. I have no you idea. You missed a week of school on a two-week you know, course before an, a, a big exam. You came back and you blew me out of the water on that exam. <laughs> Dude. While I attended every single class, <laughs> lecture, everything, and study for a week. Yeah, I mean, and I didn't study during those days preceding the wedding. How you did and then, that? like, I kind of had a mini honeymoon where I would, thankfully, my wife now uh, sleeps much later than I do. So on the days of our honeymoon, I was studying in the morning and then afterwards try to study, you know, like if she wanted to take a nap later in the day, if we were hanging out, we uh, had a beautiful honeymoon driving up the coast from... Uh, you know, California all the way up Oregon, yeah. all the way to here. It was just incredible. But every morning I was studying and then listening to the CILs, the interactive sessions while driving. So not the dream honeymoon. So one thing moving forward, I'm very excited to have some time with the wife now, well-deserved mm-hmm. over this three-week break. Because um, that was really the best though experience in, I had at medical school that I knew I was getting better because I assumed I was going to just fail hematology. <laughs> I, was just, I was like, okay, I'm just going to have to remediate one. Like, that's not that bad. I really want to have a wedding in medical school. It turns out the only time I can do it is right now. I'm just going to have to remediate it. But it and worked I was, out beautifully. It, so it wasn't my highest grade or anything. But I was like, yep, best thing I've ever done in medical school right there. And then the other, I guess, one that's really up at the top was our school had... Uh, mental health week do you remember this of course i remember that and it was a few months into my first year of medical school and i was able to give a speech and i love giving speeches clearly i mean if you're listening you're listening to the podcast (laughs) me talking and i i like it in front of people and i remember that's when i finally knew like okay like this is what i'm good at again like i kind of forgot i was like this is what i i maybe excel in compared to some people don't like public speaking and so that's when I kind of remember, like, oh, yeah, like, I'm not a piece of crap in medical school kind of thing. Like, this is this is my thing. It's one, of your, it's one of the places where you shine, and you really do. Yeah. Do you like public speaking? I loathe public speaking. 
But you're a good public speaker. I've seen you public speak. You know, people tell me that. You tell me that. Every now and again, someone tells me that. But it's only when people have seen me, you know, perform well publicly speaking that they can say that. Every other, or perhaps every third performance where I'm publicly speaking, I just absolutely bomb it, and it's devastating and terrible, and it really affects me. And uh, yeah. But you're a public speaker. It's so crazy. And you do well on this podcast. You did well last time and this time. Well, thanks, man. I guess but this isn't really public speaking. It's just no, me, you, and the and cats. Alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but really, it's about every other time for whatever reason. I don't know why. Um, I'm not sure. I'm trying to get better at it. But um, no, I have. I suppose I have problems with my nerves. I get especially anxious and nervous. And, and then I build that up and build that up. And then I go and actually have to perform. And I'll freeze up, and I'll just absolutely lose and forget everything I had intended to say. Yeah. Um, or I'll lose my place in a speech, or I'll just completely lose my train of thought. And that'll happen to me, and it's a terrible, terrible feeling. And I recognize it when it's happening, and I recognize, oh, my God, I can't remember anything that I had to say that I intended to say. And yeah. And it's just a, a shit. I, uh... I don't know. I think, of course, it sounds cliche, but the more you do public speaking, the easier it gets. And since I've done a decent amount of public speaking now, I feel like I've learned a decent amount of things. And I never realized one of people's number one fear in life is public speaking. Yeah. It's like a very common, like crazy fear. It just gives them so much anxiety. So I guess here, just thinking that you say those things, here's the things that I think help alleviate anxiety the most before public speaking. So here's what I would say, run through your head right before you go up. First off, I guess, you keep, you said a few times there, like, the things you intended to say. I don't know if you were trying to memorize a certain phrase or, like, a certain sentence or anything, but I think all the best speeches I've ever done is I really don't try to memorize anything. You wing it, Logan. That's one of yeah. your gifts. But I, I think that's the way to do it. Because I think people... I always say this, like, when you think, you just have to imagine yourself as an audience member. You're not going to remember a sentence. You're going to remember sort of a phrase and really, though, how a person carried themselves and acted versus the exact sentence that you said. Like, when you go tell your, when you told people, oh, I heard Logan speak, and you tell them about what that ex- what you thought or what that experience was, you're not going to say a sentence that I said. You mm-hmm. know, you're going to describe me kind of thing. So that's how I kind of think of it. Like, I don't... I think of more flow of an ideas, but I do try to go up and wing it. And so that's really the biggest advice I have for people public speaking is, like, don't focus so much on what you're going to say. It's more just, like, how you act. And the other big thing is people think silence is bad. Hmm. Silence is very good. Yeah, well timed. And like, so what I found, and one of the best speeches or the speaking techniques I learned was from Will Taylor, who's on the podcast. Last podcast? Two podcasts ago? I'm terrible with my numbers. My brain is fried still from finals week. (laughs) But, you know, when I tell my story of bipolar disorder, there's aspects where I do talk about my suicidal ideations and my really dark moments of depression. And he's like, that's when you really want to do your best to use silence. Sure. And, like, slow your story down. And, like, you know, I, and, and then I was thinking about jumping off a cliff and then just stay silent kind of thing. Appreciate that moment. And so I think one thing I also learned was just be able to use silence instead of so many people when they go up public speaking and start talking, there's a silence. Uh, um, and, and then uh, I think and just try to fill the silence. It's like, just take a breath. Like, yeah. You're not supposed to be able to, like, 
I I think my style of speaking is slow kind of thing sometimes. But then when I talk about the manic states of my state of mind, I try to like get a little more animated kind of thing. That's good advice. But I I don't like ever looking at note cards really or even just maybe a little flow of ideas like little sheet. But well, I approach public speaking differently than you, Logan. The times that I've been most successful. Um, and it's every other time or so when I feel like I do a really good job. And sometimes I do. Mm -hmm. I feel like I do an excellent job. I, I know I can be a very good public speaker. And at those times, I, I go in with a very well-prepared speech. I've gone over it a few times, and I know when to make my, what I want to emphasize, mm -hmm. what points of that speech I want people to walk away knowing. And also recognize that it's not the speech itself that they're going to recognize. It's, it is, in fact, the way you carry yourself, the way you present it. But there's certain components of that speech, certain ideas that you that you want to stick, and so by utilizing you know little things like a moment of silence mm -hmm. or repetition or something, sure, I mean those are little you know those are little devices you know to, to to make it stick in the individual, but to the listener, I mean, but no, I put a lot of um I put time into my speech writing, but then I, I approach public speaking from a writer's perspective. Yeah, I, I consider myself a writer. It's and one you of, were a lawyer. It's what I'm better at. <laughs> yeah, yeah. you're just natural at, at getting up and, and and controlling your flow of ideas. You I know, need, I need to lay those down first. And I don't really know where it came from because prior to getting my bipolar diagnosis, I hadn't really done that many public speaking events ever. Um, besides, like, I guess the ones required from school, but just small little things. And I never really truly excelled until public speaking w with bipolar disorder, I mean. Because yeah. I think it does just come down to your, if it's something you're passionate about and something to give a shit about, it's so much easier kind of thing. Sure. So changing gears, I think one kind of cool topic now. So we're staring down the throat of crazy boards, step one boards. First, I guess before we talk about this uh, this idea I had, um, as a DO student, I also think we're in a weird state right now. We are. Six months out. Um, so for listeners who don't know about, I guess, really the details of medical school so much. So we go to osteopathic medical school. There's also allopathic medical school. And the difference, I guess, is MD is allopathic. We are DOs or going to be DOs. We learn different, you know, osteopathic modalities that are similar to chiropractic and physical therapy. That's, I guess, how I would describe it. It's I don't the easiest know. way to. Um, and so there are two sets of boards. And there's all this merger now with the residencies essentially becoming a single accreditation. But there's still so much speculation and thoughts about whether us DO students should be taking both sets of boards, uh, both allopathic and osteopathic, or just one, um, and what's really the best advice. And it seems like I've heard both arguments. I think as just DO students, we're in a very weird, weird place. So I guess, what are your thoughts on that, and is that adding to your anxiety level? Yeah, we're in just interesting transition moments where allopathic residency programs and osteopathic medical residency programs are merging. And in the process of merging, they're trying to ultimately get to where there's only one standardized exam instead of having an individual one for each one of the two school types. Um, and yeah, we fall into this weird category where we still are kind of pushed to take both of them right now because we're going to be competing against MDs and DOs, and so we got to make ourselves stand out. I am a terrible standardized test taker. 
Okay. Recognizing that about myself, I do not want to go out and have to take two extremely big, major, significant, life-changing standardized tests mm-hmm. within a two-week period, you know, back-to-back. Mm-hmm. Back. I think ultimately, I think taking both those is going to be devastating to me because I'll probably be stretching myself thin and preparing for both of them instead of just putting all my focus into one of them. Even though a lot of the material, you know, cover, crosses over, um, the fact of the matter is they are two different tests with two different, um, you know, s- protocols to them. So my gut tells me that it'd be better for me just to focus on the complex, which is the yeah. osteopathic standardized exam, and to leave the allopathic exam, the USMLE, um, and not take that one. That's what my gut tells me to do, and to put all of my eggs into this basket and work as hard as I can on this one exam and try to do as good as I can, um, which would probably just be okay. Yeah. I'm not relying on my academics to get me into residencies because I'm, I'm not the best student, but I think I have a lot of other you know, characteristics that are going to make me shine. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to try to focus on those while at the same time trying to do as good as I can, you know, in my academics and on the standardized test. Yeah. But I certainly haven't ruled out taking the allopathic exam also. I might very well take them both. My fiance encourages me to do that. She says it'd be beneficial to me. And she is a doctor for the She listeners. is a doctor. Yeah. She's a, a few years year above resident. us. Yeah. She went to PMW also, our school. Yeah. So I value her advice tremendously um, while emphasizing to her the fact that I'm not a solid, you know, standardized test taker. Uh, yeah, it's a really weird place because I feel like wherever, whatever answer you are looking for, you can seek out that advice kind of thing. Yeah, you really can. Because it's just, I feel so di- certain professors of us tell us to take both, certain professors of us tell like only one. Yeah, they do. I think it's also being realistic with what you are capable of achieving kind of thing. Like we were laughing earlier, at least I was laughing pretty hard, but how without doing a single calculation, we both know we're in the bottom quartile of the class, which oh, yeah. is, it's it's fine. Like, I'm still happy with where I'm at. But, you know, I'm not going to try to shoot to score in the top 10% of board scores. Like, I just know what I am capable of. And I also think a lot about how, you know, we're sitting here right now doing this podcast. This is something that I really, really do enjoy. But I also understand that maybe if I didn't do the podcast, I could spend more time studying, which would lead me to a higher board score. Um, And I think a lot about that. But this has been such an enjoyable experience. I do want to continue doing it. And I know that, um, you know, this doing this podcast and continuing to further this skill and helping other people talk about their own mental health issues is going to help me become a better doctor one day and, you know, more narrow-sighted going to help me land a residency um, in psychiatry. So uh, with your help, Richard, I want to keep doing this throughout the board prepping time of our lives but it's just it's i know it's going to be hard so i'm going to have to get like more efficient with my time you're also a very balanced medical student though logan and your podcast is one of the things is one of the things that keeps you balanced it's something you enjoy yeah. you put your time into that and so it's kind of a vacation well, it's like from... left brain versus right brain i feel like kind of yeah it is that um well and thank you for saying that um but you and your own right are very creative too you've helped out with this podcast we are and we should allude to it a little we are writing uh, a book together which is coming out um soon let's say in a month um teaser you'll be on another podcast in the near future talking about physician assisted suicide which will be another good one so we'll talk maybe more about it there um but i guess what 
I think one one thing, and we're 30 minutes into this, so I think the next maybe 10, 20 minutes or so, we should talk about one thing that you want to try to inspire, teach the other person, anything related at all, even remotely towards mental health over the next six months. So post board stuff, like some skill or some advice or whatever. Try to teach the other person that. Um, and I think that's how we should kind of conclude this podcast. So the listeners maybe have some ideas on how, at least from a mental health standpoint, they can improve their experience up until boards, uh, or maybe they're studying for the MCAT right now, or whatever they might be working really hard on in their life that they really have to dedicate a lot of time and energy. Because I think we can see the light at the end of the tunnel, how once we're in clinics, it's going to be a really different experience. I'm really looking forward to it, but... I can't keep living in a state of mind like, okay, I'm going to be super happy then when I'm around real patients and all this that. Like right now I have to focus on what I need to do right now. Yeah. So I have my idea. Do you have your idea? Well, it sounds like you're asking is what we, what you can do to maintain some sense of balance. What advice would you give to prep for the boards? Not that's going to improve their test score, because obviously I don't think we and you are the best people to give advice necessarily for that. But from a mental health standpoint, yeah. what advice would you try to give someone or give me? We need to maintain our balance, right? Above all things, we need to maintain some uh, a form of some of our life. We can't put ourselves a hundred percent into into our academia or into our studies. You're studying for the MCAT. You're studying for the boards. You got to put the majority of your time into that because these are major, you know, exams that are going to be determining a lot of, you know, the direction of our lives. We have to put the majority of our emphasis mm-hmm. into this, but we'll go crazy if we do that. And we've seen students, you know, fall out trying to do that. I've seen mm-hmm. students drop out of medical school. I've seen friends of mine drop out of, you know, graduate level schools because they lose their their balance. So there's something we said about maintaining equilibrium you know going through really trying circumstances and whether you're doing that you know by by creating a podcast or by reading a book at the end of the day or fitting in some television time or making time for your family certainly you've, you got to do that you got to make those times you got to get your exercise you've got to mm-hmm. you know still go to the grocery store you got to do your laundry you got to try to find some enjoyment in life however you can while while promoting and emphasizing your academia because um, you got to keep moving forward I think it's just so easy to just to get lost by putting all of everything into one goal. You, you do that and everything will fall by the wayside. Um, yeah, I see people make that mistake and mm-hmm. I've fallen into that trap before. And yeah. So I try to be really careful and keep myself balanced as best I can. I don't know how I do it exactly, Logan. I don't do it as well as you do. but Well, I don't know if I'd say that. And I think kind of what I was saying even earlier, like comparison, like it's just such a bad thing. And comparison is like the thief of joy that everyone says. And like, so you might call me more balanced, but I certainly feel not balanced at times and I know I can get better. So I think the main thing then that I would want advise people and because I know you so well that I think would help um, just these next six months is I think like, you know, it's kind of ironic in a sense, but I guess from an osteopathic sense, not. That, you know, I talk so much about mental health. You know, we want to be psychiatrists. I really enjoyed neurology. I found it more interesting and I've gotten actually a better grade than any other organ system. Um, and I've loved it. But like, I think focusing on mental health, sometimes you have to do look at the other aspects of health and real, 
realize that that will have a beneficial effect on your mental health. So leading up into finals week, at least these last two weeks, I was really struggling with sleep some nights. Like, I don't know if I just had too much coffee. I don't know if I was maybe a little worried about tests or just like wired up because I was really trying to work hard and press hard. And I had a hard time sleeping. But I, instead of, you know, or I guess what I did to face those insomnia issues is I would really try to work out and like exercise. And what I did, because I wanted to get a better grade than normal on neurology, and I, I would sometimes try to combine my studying with my exercise. Yeah. So I wouldn't have to sacrifice study time. So I loaded all my videos onto my iPad and also I have some audio files. So while I would be lifting at the gym or while I would be biking at the gym, I would be listening to things from school because I think one of the most, the biggest challenging aspects of moving towards boards is, you know, the more time we put into boards, the more better grade you're going to get. I mean, it's kind of hard to argue against that. So if you can combine maybe doing those chores that you were talking about or what I'm kind of arguing like, uh, you know, exercising, like still being like a normal human, but trying to have studying overlap that a little bit. And I think it's so easy in this day and age with iPads and, you know, audio files to really combine those other things, especially for me. Like I've really just started going to the gym and listening to uh, stuff from school. And so the last three weeks, I think why I did better is partially because of that. Mm. So I would advise you and really everyone else uh, who is a second 37.5% doctors like we are now to maybe start applying that to your life because I think the additional exercise helped a lot with my insomnia issues leading up into exams but also and I talked to Dr. Sorrells about this I think I was able to kind of follow some of the audio um, lectures I was listening to or the videos I was uh, watching while I was exercising because of the increased blood flow to my brain at that state hmm. as you know being in our preclinical years of medical school, so much of our life is just like sitting down in front of a computer screen and we never really get our heart elevated. And so once I was able to get my heart elevated, like everything sort of dilated up there. I just able, I feel like I was able to focus differently than I was sitting in front of a desk. Hmm. So that's, I think, the best advice I would have. Exercise and study simultaneously uh, leading up to boards. And I think it'll have Effect, beneficial effects on academic and emotional state of mind. That's good advice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think key, Logan, is just to try to be happy no matter what spot we're in in our life. And sometimes it really is an effort to try, but we got to do it. You just got to. Yeah. It's a conscious choice a lot of times, I believe. I think it's a bit of a conscious choice. And if you can't just keep believing that, hey, I'm going to be happy, you know, once I'm done with the with these first two years. Mm -hmm. Then when I'm at the hospitals, man, then I'm going to be happy. Because then when you get to that point, then all of a sudden somebody comes, hey, when I'm a residency, then I'm going to be happy. You know, I can sacrifice my happiness right now, just kind of keep struggling through this mud and mm -hmm. get to this next point, and then I'll be happy. Then you get there, and it's going to be the same situation. It's just going to be a, you know, a cyclicality. Yeah. So I think we got to find ways to you know, make this difficult situation we're going through, which is extremely difficult. It's one of the most difficult things we're ever going to go through in our lives is medical school. Yeah. But I'm, I'm very happy in medical school. I mean, I hate my days sometimes. I hate them. I'm mm -hmm. just sitting and studying, doing nothing. And I wish I could go do other stuff. But this is this is my dream, man. I'm living my dream. And I'm really proud. I'm really happy. I really am happy. Doing well, this. so, and that, that makes me want to kind of talk about one thing you said. Some people I've heard in the mental health kind of community, I guess I would call it, 
get almost offended by the idea of uh, happiness is a choice kind of thing. Yeah. Because they get really frustrated, like, well, I feel so depressed, and so I would choose to be happy right now. And I would agree partially with the statement that happiness is a conscious choice. I more think of it as happiness is a product of conscious decisions kind of thing. Because I think sometimes people, for whatever reason, become unhealthy because they make decisions based off whatever other people think they should do. They're not honest with things they really want to do. Um, and also just lifestyle choices. And so I kind of think of how I feel happy because when I make the conscious decision to go see a therapist once in a while, I have the conscious decisions to make time with you, make time with my fiance, uh, I decide to go to the gym kind of thing and like really focus on getting at, I shoot for six hours of sleep a night. I'm not always great at it, but some days I get like eight or nine. Um, cause I just know with what I, with bipolar disorder, what I live with, like all of those aspects are really important for my health. And I think, uh, happiness is a product of all of those conscious kind of decisions. If you get what I'm saying. It's true. Yeah. yeah you certainly simplified it. Perhaps it's not a choice, Logan. I don't know. I'm very torn about what happiness is, and I really don't know what yeah. that is. I guess that's a conversation in and of itself. But it seems like something that we have to put effort into attaining. And um, I, I think that's what I'm emphasizing, is the fact that we have to keep on making a conscious effort and striving toward attaining that and not just putting it to the, to the side and believing that it's going to come when it comes. Yeah. And you're, you're mentioning ways of, of, of putting that effort in. By you know meditating, or by going and exercising, mm -hmm. or go by having a date night with your fiance or wife. And these are all these are proactive steps toward attaining something that's very necessary. It's very you know necessary as you know as human beings. Yeah, and it's not something we can put to the wayside. It's not something that's healthy to put to the wayside. And that's my one little tidbit of advice. Even in these extremely trying times, like this next semester is going to be for us, mm -hmm. we have to keep on striving toward you know attaining this you know this momentary happiness this yeah enjoying i think it's easy in medical school to kind of have the state like okay if i get through this experience now i'll get to residency it'll be better if i get through residency it'll be better after that because then i'll be making doctor money you know i feel like it's really easy to have that pattern and i've i've fallen into that pattern i've looked up average salaries and you know all that stuff but I think it's so bad to ex try to be emotionally driven by emotions that are in the future yeah. kind of thing. And like you really do have to have that mindful state of mindful state of mind, mindful, <laughs> mindful state. state of cognition. Uh, yeah. Just enjoying that the roller coaster we are on, there are, you know, it's still a great opportunity that we're doing. And I kind of think of it as a reciprocal. Like if I do really take care of my mental health, during these next six months even if I'm only able to dedicate you know 45 minutes a day to it I'm actually going to end up studying better and learning more material versus if I try to fully dive into this material and I maybe do it like half ass and also really not enjoy it at all during the time yeah yeah you enjoy medical school for the most part I think if people are thinking about going to medical school I sort of knew what I was getting myself into, but it is definitely harder than I thought kind of thing. Do you think most of our colleagues are enjoying medical school? No. No? Not this stage of it. I don't think so. 
You don't think so? Um, I don't know. Would you disagree with me? I want to say maybe about 50% of them. I want to hope maybe 50% of them are enjoying it. It seems like that from the outsider perspective, looking in, seeing them. I want to say it's an extension of college to a lot of students. Not that they're out partying a lot, but mm. it's an extension of college for the academics of college. So they have that unity and that community, and I think they're enjoying that aspect. I see a lot of happiness in the medical school. But you stay long enough and late enough, you know, yeah. once all the once the majority of people have gone, and you get you start seeing those students who are there in despair. So yeah, you see, well, you see those two. One thing I actually wanted to talk to you about. I don't know how you do emotionally with school, but I actually do better when school's in session, emotionally. Yeah. I kind of lose my shit when I have nothing to do. Yeah, you do. I don't know what to do. I, like, sit around all day. I'm a bum. I, I like, I, or I'll just, like, make a plan to do a bunch of things, and I won't do anything. <laughs> like, that's kind of, like, what I do. And so I school forces <coughs> me to be a very regimented person. Yeah. And then I get out and do things, and then I really believe, like, momentum's a big thing. And then because I'm already doing a bunch of things, I get stuff done. Because hmm. I'm just in that state of mind. Yeah. But then when I'm switching to break mode... I kind of, oh, yeah, I'm going to spend more time on my podcast. I'm going to work on this. Uh, right now I'm working on a book with you, and I'm also working on a children's book with my mother. Yeah. In break, I have more hours to do it. You know, during the medical school year, during academic periods, I don't even know how many hours a week I dedicate to this crap. Like 80? I, I don't even know. 90? I, I don't want to keep count because it's just depressing. See, I feel like I've never really had a full break since I've started medical school. I've always filled in my times with other projects, with deadlines. You're a smart man. No, because each one has a deadline, and that's what keeps me going is, is, is deadlines. I mean, last Christmas, for instance, a year ago, first mm-hmm. Christmas, first significant break of medical school, first year, Christmas, we had that orange book we had to read, the EKG, How to Interpret EKGs. And you read that. I read that, yeah. I didn't read it. And I Good read job. that by breaking it down. I had, you know, I was going to put an hour and a half, you know, for these two weeks into it. And that was my goal. And so I kept myself going through that. Well, at the same time, I had another project I was doing at Christmas. This summer, we were working on our book. And so, I mean, I was traveling, you know, through South America. But every day I had to keep moving forward because I only had a two-month window where I had to translate a whole bunch of of, of, of mm. you know of, of shows and then I had to convert them and I had to turn them into narratives at the same time I had to write some chapters at the same time I had to do cover art and so it was just it was a non-stop every day I had objectives I had to meet and that you know went all the way until classes started and now it's Christmas break again second year and now the fun ends and it's time to turn it into high gear yeah Start board prepping hardcore while at the same time pushing forward because we're going to publish this book. We're going to push this forward. We got to do it. Yeah. yeah. While at the same teaser. time, we have other projects that we're doing. And I mean, there's just, it, it, I don't think it's ever going to end for us at this point, Logan. Well, and one thing I also learned over these last 18 months, which I didn't really realize prior to medical school, maybe ignored prior to medical school, I don't learn well from reading. Yeah. I just don't. I'm a slow reader. I'm not a very good reader, I think. And compared to a video or audio resource, I'll just get it. You're a visual learner. Yeah, visual and audio. Like, maybe I grew up watching way too much TV. I don't know. So it just trained my brain to think that way. Because, you know, I think so much of medical school over this last 18 months has transitioned from uh, actual lectures from teachers to kind of figure it out on your own, do this reading kind of thing. 
And I've really sort of struggled with that. And so that's why I have become so reliant on those videos and other stuff online that I can use, that I can listen to or just like, because I'll read a passage and I just won't get anything out of it. I'll get a little bit, but I'll have to read it a few more times. Whereas if I hear something, I can kind of stick with it. Hmm. Well, I guess a big part of medical school or being successful in any kind of academia and probably outside of academia too is recognizing and learning what kind of learner you are. Yeah. And you've done that. Well, dude, we are at 45 minutes. Okay. Uh, this has been a fantastic conversation. we got some burgers that we're going to celebrate with. Um, we're drinking right now the Kitty Cat Blues Black Raven Pale Ale, which was actually the wedding we brought and served. The wedding we brought? It's Jesus. the beer that you brought to your wedding. <sighs> Sorry, folks. I'm a little tired here. It's uh, right at the end of finals week. I'm doing this podcast. But, yes, this is the exact beer we served at our wedding um, September 15, 2018, during hematology. I am so proud of. So it was pretty cool to celebrate with you today, the end of three months of medical school with this beer. Cheers, sir. Cheers, We Logan. did a great job. Let's have a great meal. All right, folks. Man. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Whatever you're doing, have a good one. Take it easy. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV, even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. Book your New Jersey summer getaway now. Go for sunshine vibes and beach and boardwalk fun. Discover parks, forests, and family attractions, distinctive dining, and inspiring art, history, and culture. Stay in an urban oasis, an Oceanside Inn, or other unique accommodations. Boost your mood in New Jersey's feel-great destinations. Create your escape at visitnj.org slash book now.